This is a Discovery Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we invite you to find yourself in the bigger story. To find out more about what's going on in the life of the church, head to discoverychurch.com.au. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Well, everyone, I'm not much of a gardener, self-confessed, don't really garden much, haven't really grown a lot of plants in my life. But for a few years there, we lived up in the mountains, up in the Dandenong Ranges, and we kept chickens. And now, of course, if you can keep chickens in a mountainous, kind of rugged environment like that, you, uh, you deserve a medal because I think we lost about 20, 25 chickens to the local foxes in the area, no matter what I did, I built coops, I built a super coop, I built a electronically magnified guarded by miniguns coop and nothing would keep out those foxes. And so what would happen over time is we would get some chickens and then they, we would lose them. We would get some more chickens. They would be devastated time and time and time again. But the upside of all of this was we grew some vegetables. See, of course, the scraps that we would f- throw the chickens um, combined with the natural compost of that general coop area over time when the chickens weren't there anymore developed a harvest. We came back one day to our coop that was now unused and desolate because of the because of the um, the lack of chickens in there, and we had pumpkins growing, we had tomatoes growing, we had plants and fruit that I'd never seen before growing in this one little space. It grew up almost seemingly overnight. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. What I want you to do is put into the chat a time when something has grown without you doing anything about it. You might say, well, my kids do that all the time. They just keep growing and we didn't even know anything about it. What is it? You might be a gardener. You might be someone who knows about plants. You might be um, 
have had an experience in your life where something has grown in your life without you knowing anything about it. I'm certainly, um, things, are, things are happening to me. I'm getting older. You might be able to see on my nose. I've had these things burnt off my nose. I had these little sunspots on there. And when I went to the doctor and said, why am I getting them? And they said, well, pretty well, Matt. It's just because you're old. Once you get old and you've been in the sun, those things just start to happen. And so what is it that's, um, that's just growing all by itself for you? Today, we enter into Jonah chapter 4. This is the final part of this series. This is the time where everything comes together, where everything gets sewn up. Everything gets brought together in this one place. We've just read the scripture um, together and it's been read for us in the um, in the opener that we just experienced together. And so the title of the message today is this, Dude, Where's My Plant? Dude, where's my plant? Now, I ran an Instagram poll yesterday and the people have spoken. I had four titles for this message and the one that came through overwhelmingly as the favorite, I had some quite serious, I thought some well thought out titles, but obviously nostalgia for 90s movies wins the day. Dude, where's my plant is the title of today's message. So I want you to pot that at the top of your page. Now, Jonah chapter 4 enters in like this. We know the story now. We've read through all of these passages. And so what has happened is God speaks to Jonah, says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is a place Jonah does not want to go. He hates the Ninevites. He's afraid of the Ninevites. And so he instead, instead of going to Nineveh to speak the word of God, he runs in the geographically opposite way direct opposite direction. He, of course, gets um, thrown into a storm. There is a storm that happens. Um, The sailors on the boat throw Jonah overboard. He's swallowed by a fish. He prays inside of the fish. God spits Jonah out of the fish onto dry land. Jonah gets a second chance to go to Nineveh. God speaks to Jonah again and says, Jonah, I know you've run once, but I want you to go to Nineveh to proclaim the word of God to them. The second time Jonah obeys, he moves into the city a day's journey, a day in the city and then a day back out. He declares 40 days and the city will be overthrown. We talked about that, a time of trial, of, temp, of, of testing and of triumph. He, he declares that word and shock of all shocks, horror of all horrors, Nineveh repents. They repent. There is an edict that goes, that goes nationwide. They declare a fast. They turn to God. And of course, they are spared. And that is where we are up to. It feels like a good place to end. It feels like a great spot to end the book. But now we have this part tacked on at the end. We have this part, the story after the story, if you like. And that's what happens here. We get now an insight back into Jonah's own life. And Jonah 4 starts like this. So Nineveh is spared. God relents on what he said he would do to Nineveh, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Or it made him really mad is another way of being able to say it. It just made him crazy mad. And he prayed to the Lord and said, God, is this not what I said when I was in my country? Hey, Have you ever been mad at God? 
Have you ever been angry at God? Is there a time in your life where you've looked at God and you've gone, God, I am just so mad. I'm so mad at you. I'm so mad at this situation. I'm so mad that you said, I feel like you said this, you promised this, and it's turned out like this. I'm so mad that I had these ideas about how this was going to go, and it's turned out this way. I'm so mad that that person passed away. I'm so mad that that person, we're not in relationship anymore. I'm so mad about the loss in my lives. Have you ever been mad? Have you ever been angry at God? Jonah here says, he reveals the reason why he ran in the first place. He said, he prayed to the Lord and said, God, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee. This is why I ran away. Ready? You want to hear why he ran away? I ran away because I knew that you were a gracious God and I knew you were merciful. I knew you were slow to anger and I knew you were abounding in steadfast love. I knew that you would relent from disaster. I knew you were so good, God. And I knew that if I went to those people that I hated, if I went to those people that I was afraid of, if I went to those people who I thought, I think don't deserve a chance, I knew what you were like, God. I knew you were going to turn around. I knew you were going to be gracious to them. And I didn't want that for them. I didn't want them to experience the grace of God like I've experienced it. So that's why I wanted to run. But in the midst of that, can you see those five things? A list of the character of God that I reckon we can grab hold of today. I don't know where it is that you're up to. I'm not sure what your week's been like. I don't know what kind of, um, what kind of weekend you've had or how you woke up this morning. But can you pick up one of those things today? I knew that you were gracious, God. One, you are merciful. Two, three, you are slow to anger. Four, you are abounding in steadfast love. And five, you are relenting from disaster. Can you put one of those things in the chat right now? Just what, which one of those bits of the character of God, one of those, those glimpses into God's heart are you grabbing hold of today? Do you need to know today that God is a gracious God? Do you need to know today that God's merciful? Do you need to know today that he's slow to anger? Do you need to be reminded today that he's abounding in steadfast love? Or do you need to be refreshed today to know that God is the kind of God who will relent from disaster? Which one of those do you need to grab a hold of right now? Pop that into the chat in this moment and pop it in the chat as a prayer. As a prayer that you would say, God, I want to be reminded today that you are gracious. I want to be reminded today that you are merciful. I want to be reminded today that you actually relent from disaster. You don't bring upon disaster just for the fun of it. You relent. You, do, you, love, to, you love to pull back from disaster and to show your unfailing kindness. What is it today that you're connecting with? In this moment, and isn't it funny that it was the character of God, it was the fact that Jonah knew the character of God that caused him to run away from the plan of God. We often think that if the more we get to know God, the more it's going to inspire us to go towards him. But here we have a guy, a prophet, 
who witnessed the works of God firsthand, but yet still had a second-hand faith. We experience a prophet who witnessed the works of God firsthand. We're talking about a prophet who would speak to God. We're talking about a prophet who would go into a city and to declare God's word and God would then turn from disaster. He was God's man in that time and yet he could still be so distant from God because his heart was not interested in the things that God's heart was interested in. My friends, you can say all the words, you can have all the speak, you can do all of the actions, but sometimes our hearts are still not aligned with God's heart. Jonah said, I knew that you were going to forgive them and that's why I didn't want to go because they don't deserve it. Now Jesus tells us, that the only way we're forgiven ourselves is as if we can pass on that forgiveness to others. Can you receive God's forgiveness for yourself and not then be someone who passes it on? Is that even possible? Now Jonah is asked a question. You know, some of the times um, we ask a lot of questions, we're filled with questions for God, aren't we? I mean, you might have a question for God. I have a list of questions that I'm going to ask, that I'm going to ask God, new heavens and new earth. I've got a list. I'm putting them in my phone of questions that I want to ask God. But how would you feel about God asking you some questions? Because Jonah here has this relationship with God where God says this to him in verse three, um, um, uh, in verse four, sorry, do you, well, do you do well to be angry? Do you have any right? To be angry, Jonah? See, of course, Jonah's just said, God, I'm so angry, I'm angry enough to die. I'm angry, I'm so mad, God. I am so mad. I'm so, you know what? I am mad enough, God. I would prefer to be dead. I would prefer to die. God, take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. I'm just so mad. I'm fed up with you. I'm fed up with what you're doing. I don't like this plan. I don't like where you sent me. I don't like what the result is. I'm fed up. I'd prefer to be dead. And God kindly and politely asks Jonah this probing question. Do you have any right to be angry, Jonah? Is there any reason that you should be angry about this? See, here's the point, guys. Our anger isn't evidence that our cause is just. Just because you feel angry about something doesn't mean you have a right to feel angry about it. Our anger isn't always justified, my friends. Your passion isn't proof that the, that the cause is a just cause. Because if, if, if so, Jonah would have been, Jonah would have been purely justified just based on the fact that he was so mad. I'm angry enough to die. You know, and our emotions do speak loudly, don't they? We have big feelings about lots of big things, but also we can have big feelings about things that are actually really small. Are you just spending your time getting angry over small stuff? Or are you actually connecting your heart with God's heart? which here is God's heart for an entire city that doesn't know its right hand from its left. Do you have any right to be angry because your passion doesn't prove the cause? 
This is an amazing passage of scripture. Jonah then goes outside of the city to the east, sits down, makes a booth for himself. Now we do have some things that we've got to grapple with some strange um, um, language here because of course Jonah goes outside the city I imagine him making himself a little um, a little uh, cardboard box of popcorn to sit outside. He makes a booth so that he can see what would become of the city. Perhaps he thought that maybe God still would blow them up. Perhaps he thought still that maybe Nineveh would be overturned. And so he sat outside in a booth. He made himself a booth, but it can't have been a very good booth, my friends, because then the plant was the thing that actually shaded his head to give him, uh, to give him rest from the sun. So we now enter into an object lesson that God teaches Jonah. Has God ever taught you an object lesson? Has there ever been a time something that's happened to you in normal everyday life and you've noticed or you've felt the sense of God speaking to you through that ordinary thing? Sometimes happens to me and I'm going around. It might be maybe you lost your keys and then God spoke to you about the importance of knowing him. Maybe you um, maybe there was a, a, just a situation that you had with a pet or a family member or something at work. And you felt like God speaking to you in a very spiritual way through a very natural experience. That's something that happens here to Jonah in this moment. He goes outside the city, makes himself a booth, sits down to look at what would become of the city. And of course, God appoints three things. We have God's character before and now we have God's agents. God appoints three things. He appoints a plant to grow up over Jonah's head to give him shade. He appoints a worm to come and eat the plant. And then he appoints the scorching east wind to come and blow on Jonah to make him feel faint. Isn't this interesting? Isn't this strange? God uses three things, three appointments, three agents, a plant, a worm, and a wind. God still uses plants, worms, and winds to speak to us today, my friends. Maybe he's even speaking to you today in one of those ways. Of course, the, wind, the plant grows up over Jonah's head and Jonah is exceedingly happy about the plant, is what the scripture says. He's exceedingly happy about the plant. Oh, you can imagine him sitting out there going, he's in his booth and now he's got this beautiful big, um, it's, they're saying it's like the castor plant where you make castor oil from it comes up and grows up over his head big shady leaves and he's exceed oh i'm so happy about this oh this plant's just giving me so much shade that's beautiful i'm exceedingly happy about the plant and then the god appoints a worm that comes in sneaks in and eats at the root of the plant eat the stem of the plant and the plant dies and jonah's like what 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 happened to this Where's my plant? Dude, where is my plant? And then God appoints the east wind, the scorching east wind. It comes across, blows across Jonah so hard, so firm. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a desert wind like this, but it can just take the life out of you. And Jonah is being blown. It's this hot, scorching wind filled with sand blowing into his face. And he is mad. Jonah is mad. God. Why are you doing this to me? 
When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. This is verse 8. The sun beat down on on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. He asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Now, of course, this is not the first time that Jonah has prayed to die. In chapter 1, Jonah also asked, remember, he asked the sailors to throw him over the boat. Now, that wasn't because he wanted to swim. That That was a death sentence. That was a death wish. Jonah was not going to be able to survive in the, in the sea in that kind of storm. So this is the second time. Isn't, there's something encouraging about knowing that Jonah the prophet is even so, um, so fallible. He's so like me. Um, he's so like you. He, he gets so mad. And he's so kind of impulsive and compulsive. In these moments, he says, God, I'm so hot right now. You've killed my plant. I just want to die. And God asks him a question a second time. Do you have any right to be angry about the plant? And now we have this amazing image. We have an entire city right there in front of Jonah. A city of people. The Bible says 120,000 people. So they were most likely counting the men only. So you could double that figure. 250, say, thousand people plus cattle that God seems to care about. An entire city that is right before Jonah in that moment that has been spared, that has been saved. They've repented. They've come into a sense of um repentance before God. And so their city has been spared. They've experienced The goodness, the grace, the mercy, the long-suffering of God himself. A pagan city. And now we have Jonah sitting up on the hill fighting with God about the death of a small plant. Can you see where this is going? Jonah's like, God, where is my plant? And God's saying to Jonah, Jonah, where is my city? Which one are we going to be concerned about, my friends? So often we're concerned about the smallest, most temporal, most um, momentary things. And yet God is trying to reach out and open our eyes to the big thing, the right thing, right in front of our faces. Will you go on being concerned about the plant in your life when God is trying to open your eyes to the needs of a city? Will you go on being concerned about the small things that only affect you when God is trying to lift up your eyes and see the people that you don't like, the people that you're afraid of, and see that they're the ones who also need God's grace, God's mercy, God's comfort, God's kindness in your life. And yet we're so blinded by the plant in our own world. We don't want to see a city. It's scary out there. It's wild out there. No one knows God. They don't like God. They're rebellious. The culture is bad. I get all of that. And that's exactly why God wants us to go. It's why he wants us to move into that city. Forget about the small things. Stop being angry about the plant, my friends. And start getting a passion for the city that you're a part of. 
Start getting a passion for the region that you live in, for the world that you're a part of. Yes, I know that they don't know God. That's exactly why he needs you to go. It's exactly why he has not saved us for an escape out of this world. He saved us that we would engage with this world. And of course, this is what happens in verse 10. So Jonah says, yes, I do. I I have the right to be angry, God. God says, do you have the right to be angry about this plant? Jonah says, yeah, God, I do. I, I have a right to be angry. I'm so mad about this plant. I'm angry enough. I'm so mad. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord says in verse 10, and this is the, this is, this is the final two verses in the book of Jonah. The Lord said, you pity the plant. You're grieved about the plant. You're worried. You're concerned. You're angry about this plant. You did not labor for it. You did not plant it. You did not make it grow. It sprung up overnight like the plants in my chicken coop and then it died overnight. And you're concerned about that. You didn't plant it. You didn't cause it to grow. You didn't sow it. You didn't think about it ahead of time. You weren't, you weren't lovingly caring about it. You weren't dreaming of it. You just, it was just came and it, 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 soothed your, um, it soothed your discomfort for a tiny amount of time. And now that it's not there, you're mad about that. And then God asks this final question. Should I not pity Nineveh? Should I not be grieved about Nineveh? Should I not be deeply concerned about an entire city with 120,000 people that do not know their right hand from their left? Because Jonah, I planted that city. I care for that city. I've grown that city and now that city has turned away from me. Should I not be concerned about it, Jonah? You did nothing to, to, to grow this plant. You did nothing. All it did was just was, was alleviate your discomfort for the smallest amount of time. And yet, when I care about a city, you lose your marbles. You absolutely lose the plot because I care about a city and, 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 I don't, and, I've, and I've actually killed this plant. You know what, guys? And here's the scary thing. Sometimes God will remove things, things of comfort in your life if they're taking your eyes off his priorities. God will have no problem about removing certain comforts, not needs, comforts from your life. I know he's the provider and he will provide for everything that we need, but he will remove those small things of comfort from your life. No problem if they take your eyes off of the bigger story and what God is doing. That should frighten us a little bit, or it should at very least call us to attention in this moment. See, our anger teaches us about what's important to us. And so our anger can be a teacher because anger is simply what happens to us when we don't get our own way. When you don't get your own way, we get angry. When we, don't, when we lose control, we get angry. And so anger is a good teacher. And so when we find out what it is that you're actually angry about, and if really your anger is just about you, 
or just about someone you know, or just about something that you're interested in, or just because something's been removed from your life that you don't really like that much, I would encourage you to get a bigger picture of what God's doing in the city. Because as a church, we are going to be all about our city. We're going to be all about our region. We're going to be all about the lost. We're going to be all about the broken. We're going to be all about the people who do not know God yet. That is our mission. That is our purpose. If you are already in the story, your part of the story is to find those who aren't in it yet. That's the divide that we're looking at here. We're not concerned about the small things. We're concerned about people who need Jesus, finding a relationship with Jesus and finding their life in him and in his story. That's what we're concerned about. We're concerned about seeking the salvation of our city, seeking the welfare of our city, knowing that in its welfare, we will find our welfare. That's where we're going. That's what we need to be concerned about. And if we're going to be angry or we're going to have strong feelings about anything, it is that there are people outside of our world right now who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. You know, the way that this this book ends is so strange. Should I not pity that city? Uh, uh, Should I not pity Nineveh, God says, that great city? in which there are more than 120 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Do you feel the awkwardness and also much cattle? The way that this ends. It's one of those movies that you most likely dislike that end on a cliffhanger, that end on a moment. And this is intentionally done, my friends. This is not bad writing. This is really, really good writing. And I'll tell you why. Because when a passage ends on a question, it invites the reader to enter in to be the answer to that question. Can you be the answer to this question? Because if, you, if we answer yes, to this question, should I not pity Nineveh, a great city with 120,000 persons who don't know the right hand from that, also much cattle. If we answer yes, God, you should pity that city. You should be grieved about that city. What does that then require of you and I? It requires us to stand up, to be filled with the spirit of God and in the spirit of engagement, And in the spirit of seeking and saving that which was lost, moving into our city with the word of God in our hands and the fire of God in our eyes. Can you move into the city like that? Be the answer to this question. Our friends, my ministry is not for me. It's not for my own benefit. I gave that away a long time time ago. Your ministry is not for you. It's that people would come into relationship with Jesus and find themselves inside of his story. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of this book. We thank you that there is so much to learn. There is so much to be comforted by. There is so much to love about the way that you used a prophet like Jonah In so many ways, we can see ourselves in him. But in so many ways, God, we want to be reminded again that you are the hero of this story. 
Your character is gracious. You are merciful. You are kind. You are compassionate. You are slow to anger. You relent from disaster. God, you are the hero of this story who sends, God, the, the plant. You send the worm. You send the wind. You sent the fish. Your word comes to us in so many ways. And God, would you enable us? Would you enable Discovery Church to be a church for the people who do not know you yet? To be a church for our city, for our region, for people to come into relationship with you for the very first time and find their lives inside of your story. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on this Discovery Church podcast. Now go and find yourself in the bigger story.